Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you today? I'm doing well, Chris, and how are you? Doing good, doing good. It's, you know, we're recording this in July, the end of July, and I think this this episode will come out in August. It's that time of year where horse owners need to be thinking, especially, you know, I guess in more of the southern states or the coastal states of emergency planning, because it's starting to get to hurricane season. So that's why this topic came up, an emergency plan. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a stressful topic, but I think um, one that, you know, you are always well served to have a plan and not need to use it rather than be scrambling if something comes up. And, and you mentioned the coastal states, but I, I don't know. We've had crazy weather in lots of places, um, and certainly hurricanes would, would cause big evacuation type situations. But I mean, anywhere you live, you could have a freak thing that puts you in this situation on a smaller scale. Well, yeah, I mean, especially in the in the Midwest, you know, with tornadoes, but also, I, you know, as you were saying that fire season, you know, high to summer in many of the Western states uh, or parts of the world, you know, everywhere where everybody lives, uh, there's always some sort of a threat of an emergency, right? So today's topic, you know, emergency feed planning, I think is, it it applies to everybody. Everybody needs to listen to this. Everybody needs a plan uh, and be prepared for this, right? Yeah. It's actually making me think I probably need to do a little (laughs) bit more planning myself. It always, it's always until you need it. It is, it is. I used to talk about this all the time with horse owners, you know, what's your emergency plan? And they didn't have one. And I said, well, you need to have one, especially when I was in Florida and South Carolina. So, you know, but this can be anything, I think, today where you have a warning like a hurricane uh, evacuation, but then when you don't have any sort of warning, you know, how do you respond? So I, I, I guess uh, the whole gist of today's podcast is talking about how to handle the feed portion, right? You know, we're not going to talk about trailing or anything like that, but, you know, I guess we can always start with the emergency where you you can't bring your feed with you. Let's, let's, I guess let's start there and build up, you know, where I, I mean, I, I've, I've seen this in California, you know, where I grew up wildfires, people had to actually let their horses go uh, free to flee the fires uh, or people were very fortunate just to get their horses on their trailers and get out of there. So obviously they, they couldn't bring any feed or they didn't have access to their, their hay uh, to get any, so what would you do? So you get to the evacuation center with your horses, but you have no feed. So what would you advise people to do? Oh, yeah. So that's tough. So I will say like nothing about this is usually going to be following all of our normal guidance. You're just going with how can I minimize risk that these horses are going to experience digestive upset? How am I going to do the best I can with the situation that I am in? So if we're talking about, you know, option A, I have left and I have nothing. I literally just have the horses. So I think functionally focusing on forage first in that situation and choosing something that's going to be as similar to what they have been on as possible within the constraints that you have been given. So in a perfect world, I'm not going to switch my horse who's only been eating grass hay to straight alfalfa. 
even better if I can try to pick up hay that is of the same variety that they've been feeding. So if they've been on Timothy and there's Timothy available, great, let's go with that. But you're going to look at the options that you have and just choose the one that is as close to what you have been feeding previously as possible. And then um, from there, you know, we're going to think about, is there anything else I can do to support them in that change? So do I have probiotics available to me? Some of those things. But we'll start with, can we get hay? Yes, that's the most important thing. Hay and water. Horses can go without concentrate. Even the hard keeper can go without concentrate for a couple days and be okay. They might lose some weight, but you're in a bad situation and you're going to make the best of it. Now, if we're in a situation where, you know, we're, we're going to be stuck there for a while, first I'm going to deal with my hay situation. Then I'm going to try to get concentrate. Hopefully I can get the same one that they've been on. And if they've been off of it for a couple days, I'm going to reintroduce it to them over a couple days. I'm not going to say a horse who normally eats eight pounds a day of this product has been without it for three or four days. I'm not going to start them again on eight pounds. I'm going to start them on a half rate and then move them back up. If I've gone to a place where my normal concentrates aren't available, I'm going to pick something that's as similar to what they were getting previously as possible and do the same thing. I'm going to start them at a little bit lower rate and then work them back up to their full rate. So just being mindful that in a perfect world, we're never going to make abrupt changes. We're not going to do those things. Well, this is the reality of evacuation planning. There are going to be some abrupt changes. So let's minimize them to the best of our ability. But Start with hay and then get a similar concentrate, dial down the amount or your same concentrate. And if they've been without it a couple days, we'll dial them down and work them back up. Yeah, I mean, what, I, I, I guess what are some of the dangers if if owners don't? If they just, oh, okay, you're here, here's some new hay. Uh, here, I'll just start this feed. I mean, if, 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 if they don't transition smoothly, what, what are some of the things that could happen to their horse? Ah, so... Best case scenario, nothing's going to happen, right? Yes, yes, always. And and there are plenty of horses that, that will be fine, okay? What you are risking is colic primarily. So anytime we make abrupt changes in feed, along with additional stress, everything about this is stressful, right? For the humans and the horses, it just increases their risk of colic. So that's what we're looking to avoid. So by keeping them drinking water, um, and a lot of times I'm going to add salt during stressful times to drive that water intake. So by keeping them by drinking water and having hay available that, you know, that's a great first step in preventing your risk of colic. And then from there, by minimizing big swings and concentrate, that's all we're trying to do is we're trying to minimize the risk that they colic without having them lose tons of weight in the meantime or things like that. I don't think it's realistic to expect my horse who is show pen ready to come out of the situation show pen ready. So like if I was really pushing the feed to them, I'm going to dial it back in this situation, especially if I'm making changes and recognize that, you know, we could put body condition back on later. We want to minimize the risk of colic, um, both because colic's bad in any situation extra bad when you're in the middle of an emergency and veterinary care is not as available as it might be otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I just all the time, I mean, we're stressed and the horses can detect that because of our body movements. We don't realize it, you know, especially in, in emergencies and the horses pick up on it. So they're stressed and tense. Then you try to get them in a trailer. And then what if they don't <laughs> want to get in the trailer? And then it just, oh, it just spirals, right? 
So uh, that's why it's always good to have a plan. So you reduce the stress of yourself and then for your horses. Now, in another situation, and, and this, again, I guess we're going into hurricane season, where people living in the coastal states, like when I was in Florida, we had warning. We, we, we had a Category 5 hurricane bearing down on the, on the state. You're in its path. They're saying evacuate. What do I do? And I have plenty of time. And I have plenty of room, I guess. You know, I should. Yeah. Okay. So in an evacuation situation, again, going down your list of needs, uh, the biggest one is water. So when you are evacuating, I know we have all seen and some of you have experienced the traffic jams that happen during an evacuation. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. So I'm going to think about what can I pack to bring with me? Would I, would I love to pack all my hay? Yes. Would I love to pack all my concentrate? Yes. And maybe I'm going to pack some of that. But the number one thing that horses need is water. So I am going to give preference to packing water from home, recognizing that we may be in for a long haul. And, you know, as part of your emergency preparedness plan, you'll have figured out where the heck you're going. You're not just throwing your horse on the trailer and driving. Okay. So you you've lined up somewhere to go. That place to go is often fairly far away, especially if you're going from like Southern Florida, you have to drive pretty far to get to somewhere that is inland enough to be considered safe from that hurricane. So you have a long haul in front of you. And on top of that, you're very likely to experience traffic jams. So I'm going to give preference to packing water to go with me. Um, After that, you know, the goal is to minimize the amount of change. So I I probably can't pack enough hay to get me through, right? I might throw a bale or two on so that A, I can give them hay while they're on the trailer and B, I can at least have a little bit of transition when I get to the new place. And then just like we talked about with the surprise evacuation, you're going to pick the thing that's most similar to what you've had before. Same thing. I might try to throw a couple bags of my concentrate on the trailer if I have space so that I can minimize that change. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be the seven to 10 days that I would do under normal circumstances, but even a little transition is better than no transition. Um, But in terms of when I'm packing the trailer to leave, number one goal is to get water on there. And then I'm going to look at the space I have and put on a little bit of what I can to make a transition when I get to the new place. That makes sense. It makes sense. And I, and I always, whenever I talk to emergency management planning, I always would tell people, you know, you call ahead each state uh, in the United States. So wherever you are in the world, you know, I'm sure there's a regional uh, council or wherever you're at, uh, there's emergency places to go, but for the United States, you know, for example, in Georgia, there was a lot of, facilities that would take in refugees from Florida, right? You'd call ahead, make a reservation. I'm bringing two head of horses. Do you have hay? What kind of hay do you have, right? Always call and ask uh, with that. That's always very helpful. Now, I, I guess to, to kind of carry this through before I throw some some curveballs at you, because <laughs> there's so much that can happen. But I'm thinking, okay, we go to the new facility, we're there for a few days or a week, uh, we kind of make it through, we're eating very minimal concentrate, the haze kind of different a little bit, but yes, we kind of transition to this new feed maybe. What happens when we get home? 
<laughs> Good question. Yeah. yeah. You're going you're gonna to try to do the same thing in yeah. reverse, right? Like, okay, I'm headed home now. Can I buy a couple more bales of whatever I've been feeding here to throw them on the trailer to, you know, get them home? We want to offer hay on the trailer. And then if I can try to make that transition over a day or two once I get home, again, you're just mitigating risk of abrupt changes. Um, in a perfect world, we're going to bring 20 bales and transition them over, you know, a couple weeks. But that's not going to be what realistically happens. Okay. Now, in emergencies, I mean, sometimes we can't get hay. It, 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 it's it, it's very limited. You know, I've seen where, you know, fires have devastated regions and you can't get hay trucked in for a few days. What if the, you just, there is no feed. You, you can't get any hay. What do you do? <sighs> yeah, that is tough. So, you know, we can definitely ration what's available to us. So, you know, you're used to feeding your horse 20 pounds per day. The minimum they need for their size is 10 pounds. All right, we're going to do that. And we're going to spread it out over multiple meals a day to stretch what we have. We're absolutely going to expect them to lose weight. Again, we can put that back on later. Right now, we are just in emergency mode. Get through it. So we're going to start rationing what we have. And then we're going to look for alternative things. So that may be something like alfalfa pellets, hay cubes, hey, maybe my horse is not a senior, but I'm going to put it on the senior type feed that's high in digestible fiber to make up the difference. So we're going to think about what are supplementary things that we can add with the goal of getting to one and a half percent of their body weight in forage or forage equivalents per day. Even if they're used to eating more than that, typically we want to make sure we support the digestive function. So probably what my approach would be, I get to the place and I'm like, oh my God, there's no hay and I brought four bales. That's enough to last me two days normally. I'm going to cut it in half immediately and go start. I'm going to start adding whatever forage substitute is available to me right away to again, extend what I have, reduce having to make an abrupt change, but I'm going to have to be flexible in what's available to me and kind of go with it. And there's a little bit of just choose the least worst option. Worst option is I completely run out and I make an abrupt change. So if I can extend it a little bit, find whatever the heck is available to me, it might not be what I feed normally, but we'll find some sort of forage substitute in the meantime. Good. Okay. I mean, there's a million things that could go wrong. So I'm just trying to get to the big ones. What if you, I guess this is a two-part question. A, should I fast my horse for a day or two if I can't, if, if I just really am limited or B, if there's absolutely no feed available for a couple days and the horse has to fast, has, you know, we can't feed them for a day or two. Um, how should we approach those situations? Ooh, that is the ugliest situation. I know, I know. You could yeah. possibly be in. Um, so if we are in a situation where they end up fasted, obviously not ideal you have to do a slow reintroduction. So um, you wouldn't go from completely fasted 12 hours. Yeah, that's fine. Like that's the amount of time we fast for a gastroscope. We put them right back on feed. Um, but if they're fasted for more than 24 hours, what we're going to do is we're going to start with about 25% of what they get normally. And then reintroduce that with many small meals 
every four hours. So basically reintroducing their digestive tract to eating and we'll work them up over, depending on the rate of time that they're fasted. Um, we might do it over two days. We might extend it as much as four days, depending on how long we have fasted for. Um, if they have fasted for seven days, we have now put that horse into starvation mode. That's where we have to go back to our refeeding protocol as if it is a starved horse. So it may not be a body condition score of one or two, but if they have fasted for seven days, metabolically they're in starvation mode. And if you even do just that partial refeeding, just like we talked about, um, you can set them into refeeding syndrome, which unfortunately causes a massive imbalance in electrolytes and can be deadly. So it depends on the amount of time that we have fasted for. A couple days, we can do a decent reintroduction. Seven days or longer, we have to feed them as if they are a starved horse. And I believe we've done a podcast on that. We did. Uh, it was May 5th. So this okay. year, 2022. Yep. 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 So if you're in that super tough situation, go back and listen to that May 5th podcast. And that's how we'll have to feed them. Even though you're like, this horse hasn't lost that much weight metabolically they are a starved horse after seven days yeah 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 well so any tips on i guess anything else you can do during this stressful time uh, to help reduce you know bouts of colic i mean those are things we can add to the diet things we can have on hand okay this is my emergency feed uh you know i i, I have a bag of my i have my 50 pound bag of feed that this is my emergency bag uh, and then I have a little kit. Here's some things I'm going to add to help my horse through this transition, you know, as we evacuate and come home, you know? Yeah. Good question. So the goal is to never run yourself down to zero because yes. you might end <laughs> up with surprise evacuation. Um, so yeah, never run yourself down to zero. So you can at least take a bag of whatever it is you feed along with you during your evacuation to, you know, give yourself a little time to switch over. The other thing you can have on hand are just the same things that we would use to minimize digestive upset in like the competition horse or the stressed horse. So I'm going to think about things like constant comfort or like I mentioned, advanced pace, which is our pre and probiotic. Um, you know, you could use those during these situations to decrease the risk of digestive upset because we really are stressing it. Just the act of the evacuation itself is stressful. Even if you don't have to make major feed changes, having that extra gastric and hindgut support is not a bad idea. And then in those more extreme cases, yeah, you are absolutely stressing the digestive tract. So things like probiotics or the constant comfort, which has stomach and hindgut support are absolutely a good idea to help support them through that. In a, in a super stressful situation, that may not be enough. So I, I'm not saying that those are going to be your perfect um, preventative for any digestive upset, but they certainly reduce your risk. No, it's all great stuff, Nicole. I mean, you know, I always tell people, look at your state emergency uh, planning commissions, uh, your local uh, extension offices, your state extension services, they all have many, many resources for horse owners. That's where those list of barns or facilities are going to be. Uh, if you have to evacuate certain areas, uh, this was a big deal, you know, a decade and a half ago where, you know, I, when I was in Texas, we were caught with, you know, caught off guard by some hurricanes coming through after Katrina. So this is a big deal. So my best advice is always have a plan. 
always be sure you know what your state's uh, plans are and phone numbers, where you can go. Um, but any final tips that you have? Because we took, you know, there's so much that goes into emergency planning. We just wanted to focus on just the nutrition aspects. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it, but any final tips for owners out there that, or any advice that you would give? Ooh, final tips. Um, I think the biggest final tip is have a plan. Yeah. You're, you're going to get into it and you're going to be like, wow, my plan didn't cover everything. That's just reality. But at least start somewhere, cover as many bases as possible to reduce the amount of stress on yourself and your horses when you get in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's always it. That's always it. have a plan. Have a plan so you're not caught off guard, like like Nicole said. But thank you for your explanation today, Nicole. That that was that was very helpful. Uh, thank you to the listeners uh, within the United States from around the world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for those that have given us uh, five star reviews on iTunes. That is amazing. Uh, we've really seen a lot of growth in this podcast, and we really, Nicole and I, really hope that you're finding it educational. And it's helping you and your horses because, you know, we want them to be healthy and happy. And then that makes happy owners, right? Just like you, Nicole. Absolutely. (laughs) So thank you so much. Thanks, Chris.